Blog Talk Radio. I'm Raina Star, so you don't have to be. Just for House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This may not be the show for you. Desperate Houses is... Desperate Houses. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Uh, just a reminder, next week I will be doing two shows live from Mystic South, the pre-show on Thursday, and of course the standard live show uh, from the Active Convention Center on Friday. So Thursday is a pre-show. I'm going to have a lot of folks on who are presenting Friday morning, so you get to hear from them. And then, of course, the regular Friday night show. We are so excited to be coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, at the Mystic South Conference. Please check out mystic-south.com to find out more about where we are, what we're doing, all the classes. I think you can still get tickets, but check it out now. All right, with me for the hour. It is the first Friday of the month, and you know what that means. That means the pagan pundit himself is back. Talison Govannon, hey, my friend. Hey, 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 how's it going all out there in Internet land? I am speaking to you from my new house. We are actually moved in now. We got all the rest of the cats over here yesterday, and we're working on integrating them. Our outdoor kitty just went outside for the first time earlier, so we are all uh, quite excited to be starting to uh, decorate this house instead of just packing up the old one. We still have some stuff to do at the old house, but we are now living on the new property. So, yay. <laughs> yay. That's awesome. Um, after the show, you'll have to send me the new address because I don't have it yet. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, so, Talison, before we launch into this month's pagan politics and all that good shit, uh, yeah. tell us what you're, what you're doing with your writing. Get us caught up. Well, now that we have moved in, it's going to be uh, full steam ahead on restarting all of the writing stuff I've been doing. I've just been so focused. We've been having to be so focused on just trying to even just get most of our stuff over here and get this house finished up that uh, certain things were lacking. But I've been doing a lot of planning, and I've been doing a lot of plotting. And so two things are going to be happening this year. One, I'm going to be finishing The Queen, book three of the Sorceress Saga, but I'm also going to be launching a short story series in Kindle Vela. Kindle Vela is a short story service you can get to uh, to through your Kindle app on your phone or your Kindle reading device. And uh, you can uh, just, you know, choose which chapters you want to read. And and you can read a story for as long as it holds your interest. I'm going to be uh, starting up a new story 
set in the Sorcerer's Universe uh, called Welcome to Paranormal Acres, in which a middle-aged woman named Susan Harris has to go and investigate a local haunted amusement park called Paranormal Acres after her son has an encounter with a young lady who leaves him with a small shape-shifting issue. And uh, this is going to be the story of her investigation of this. uh, uh, It's based based on a real amusement park. It's based on the Tiaga Lake Amusement Park in Ohio, which was a legendary amusement park there for years, closed down in the early 2000s. Uh, But in this fantasy universe, it never closed down. It was bought by a couple of vampires, and now is a place where the paranormal can live and play at night when the regular guests leave. So that will also be coming out. And that will be coming out really soon because I can start posting that once I have the first five chapters written. I have the first chapter already written. I've got everything else mapped out. So that's going to be coming out this year as well. Cool. Very cool. And uh, what about your social medias? What are you, where, where are you findable? Well, I'm findable on, of course, Facebook, as always. I, uh, Talison Govannon, author. You can also find me as Talison Govannon on Instagram. And I am now on Threads, uh, that new uh, Twitter competitor uh, that Meta just put out. And, you know, it's not bad. Um, it's, uh, Twitter is a dumpster fire. I'm kind of abandoning that particular platform just because I'm not going to put effort in when people who don't want to join Elon's club uh, don't get to see very many tweets in a day. So that's uh, pretty much dead. Uh, But I am also on Tribal. I'm starting to experiment with Tribal as well. So Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and Tribal, you can find me on there. And I'm going to be talking about things like roller coasters and uh, vampire novels and uh, politics and all kinds of weird, bizarre, and insanely geeky humor, Seriously. If you want to nerd out, follow me on social media. Raina can attest that I post some nerdy yes. shit. <laughs> yes, you do. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Because um, I think everything you post, well, I mean, I certainly enjoy your posts, and I find them intelligent. Sometimes they're nerdy. Sometimes they're just downright truth. I mean, you are not one thing as a human being. So because I love you and you're my friend, yeah, I'm here for all of it. It's fine. Uh, definitely follow <laughs> Callison. He is entertaining, if nothing else. Uh, but for me, he's a whole bunch of other things, too, as he is to all of his friends. So speaking of which, where's our dumpster fire now? <laughs> the dumpster fire is officially the Republican Party. This is the gift that keeps on giving, folks. This is the kind of thing that, you know, it it gives me hope because as horrible as the Supreme Court has been lately, and I know this on a lot of people's minds, the fact of the matter is a lot of Democrats are waking up to the need that we're going to have to pack the court. There's nothing else we can do with the system. I mean, the idea of nine justices is not written in the Constitution. It is purely by custom. Uh, They can expand the court, and let me tell you, after the next election – we're going to have the kind of majorities in both the House and the Senate uh, that are going to guarantee our ability to pack the living fuck out of this court. Uh, just because the dumpster fire is the Republican Party. How much of a dumpster yeah. fire are they? The Freedom Caucus just kicked out Marjorie Taylor Greene 
for being too mainstream. That is what Stop. kind of a dumpster fire the Republican Party is, where Marjorie Taylor Greene, Cruella DeVille herself, in her white fur coat, probably made of club to baby seal kittens, uh, even she is too mainstream for the likes of Steve Scalise, Lauren Boebert, and all other of the clantastic Barbies that are out there. Um, and I am just fucking dying laughing. This is just so much fun. I'm enjoying this so much because, holy shit, we are in a season where literally the leader of the Proud Boys, the one who was just convicted of seditious conspiracy and sentenced to 18 right. years in federal prison, is advising Donald Trump saying, if you let this documents case go to trial, they will find you guilty. Because even an inbred, incel icon like Stuart Rhodes can see that this document case, it's impossible. He cannot fight against it. His own words have undercut every single defense that he's tried to offer. The only people who believe him are the tiny sliver of the American populace that make up the base of the Republican Party. Um, He's lost 25%. Let me tell you something. Republicans amount to 24% of the American electorate. Now, Democrats are much better. They're at 29%. But when you consider that out of that 24% of the American populace, a full quarter of them believe that Trump is guilty and that he shouldn't run again. And when you consider that you've lost 25% of 24% of the American populace, the fact that Donald Trump is steamrolling towards the nomination is just, I mean, serious, Joe deserves a gimme. He really does. The man's worked his whole life hard on campaigns. He deserves one that's being handed to him on a silver platter, and this one is. It's, it's incredible what's going on. And the fact of the matter is, is that long before the long before the primaries are settled, we're going to see more charges come down on Trump. And these are charges that are going to make the documents case look like small potatoes because the case that's being built right now by Jack Smith is a doozy. And it's all traceable. People are talking and... Folks, if you think it's been the summer of indictments, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay. Really? Um, Oh, yeah. Because there are three big-time things going on here. The reason why Jack Smith came out with the documents case first, uh, even though it's Mm -hmm. the one he got, that's what got him his mandate, but he started, he, he got put in charge of all investigations of Donald Trump at the Department of Justice. Um, but he did that because it is actually the one thing that is not related to everything else that Donald Trump is being investigated by a federal grand jury for. Um, There's several other cases that look like separate, isolated cases, but then when you actually take a look at them and how they were supposed to be executed, these various criminal Mm -hmm. schemes, you realize are all part of one larger conspiracy to steal the 2020 election. Uh, And one that really fell on the fact that it it, it depended on people that couldn't be counted on 
to do highly illegal right. things. But uh, the, the, the documents case is its own thing. It's its own unique form of stupidity. It's just the ultimate Donald Trump charge because it's Trump being Trump. It really does look like, you know, even though a lot of us who really despise Donald Trump would love to have a fantasy yeah. where we find out that he was trying to sell documents to Vladimir Putin uh, in order to uh, fund his, his beach house in Argentina or something like that. The fact of the matter is the man is just very vain. And he wanted to have these doc- classified documents to prove to people that he was important once. And he used to get this kind yeah. of stuff all the time. And he could point to it to try right. to bolster his case however he wanted to, to put it across. And, and he had every opportunity to walk away from this without being charged, and he literally took the only path he could have to guarantee federal charges. It's just really the most sad and pathetic thing out of all these criminal enterprises. But the other criminal enterprises, holy fucking shit. Um, it's just, it's, it's the, the, okay, number one thing that um, nobody paid much attention to at the time, but has been gaining a lot of traction, and we got to give a shout-out to Rachel Maddow at MSNBC because he was the first person in the media to start talking about the fake electors scheme. And this basically, the way our elections work, of course, is that we don't have one election for president. We have uh, 50 separate elections for president, uh, and that is who, that. And those electoral votes are what, elect the actual president. We, we vote for the people who vote for our candidate, basically. Um, and every state, you know, they have their electors. The, they have the Republican slate of electors. They have the Democratic slate of electors. Um, I don't know if the Green Party has a slate of electors. I don't know. They, they could just go down to a local Starbucks and see who's free. Uh, if they ever actually want anything. But, uh, you know, <laughs> The way that it tends to go, you know, is that, you know, on, the, on a certain day, the electors for that state get together. They cast their ballots for president. The uh, secretary of state uh, or other election officials in that state, depending on how that state's constitution is written, uh, will sign off on these and attesting and swearing and sealing it with the state's authority that these are the electoral votes from the state. And those electoral votes are taken individually, paper ballots are taken to Washington to be opened and counted by the vice president on the 6th of January of every, mm-hmm. you know, this, this last time was the 6th of January uh, following the election. And that's just how it goes. Now, the thing is that there were five states, however, that had more than one set of ballots purporting to be that state's electoral votes sent to Washington. And those states were Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Georgia. Uh, those five states also had packets of electoral. See, those five states were all won by Joe Biden. And these are all states right. where Donald Trump was really leaning hard on state officials to try to get them to help him steal the election, to overturn the will of the, the voters in that state and award the state's electoral votes to him instead. And one of these was that uh, they had an alternate meeting of alternate electors who all cast their ballots for Donald Trump, uh, and they these electoral votes were bundled up and uh, put under a cover letter and sent to Washington. And so basically the legitimate 
Democratic electors and these fraudulent electors purporting to be the actual electoral votes for that state were sent to Washington. And there was a couple of instances where somebody tried to hand these fraudulent, uh, these, these phony electoral packages to Mike Pence. He refused to take them. He refused to touch them. Um, right. And, and, you know, this isn't something that, you know, and, and this is not like your local Rotary Club old men deciding to play elector here. These were people who, who posed as these electors. These were big wigs in the state Republican Party. These were either office holders or they were important administrative people in the state Republican Party that were putting their names and their signatures saying that I'm an elector for Donald Trump and I cast my ballot for him uh, in this election. Um, and it was really, you know, people were wondering where the hell this came from. And that is something that, like I said, Rachel Maddow was the first person in the media to start beating the drum on this. And uh, the Department of Justice really wasn't looking at that. They were really focused on finding and prosecuting the, the January 6th rioters, the violent people, the people that actually stormed the Capitol. Uh, and this kind of got backburnered for a while. But uh, Maddow kept talking about it. Eventually, other hosts on MSNBC picked up on it. Of course, that led to, of course, the larger liberal blogosphere, the ones who think that MSNBC is nothing more than Fox News with a couple of gay people, um, or at least a couple of announced gay people, um, uh, even they started picking up on this story, started beating the drum, and eventually Jack Smith's organization got to that, and they have been looking into this. And they're not just looking into, did something illegal happen here? They're looking to charge people, and we know this because eight of the people who were involved with this fraudulent elector scheme, the actual electors, the people who were posing as electors, eight of them have received immunity from prosecution in exchange for their testimony. And they would not be getting immunity from Jack Smith if they could not deliver. So somebody is getting charged in this, and that somebody is probably going to be Rudy Giuliani. He's already been notified he's the target of a couple of different grand jury investigations. He was neck deep in a lot of these efforts. You know how Roger Stone was the Trump guy who was the liaison for the shock troops like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Giuliani was the liaison for the fraudulent elector scheme. And and, uh, something that's got to be making Donald Trump's sphincter close to diamond-creating levels is the fact that Rudy just did a uh, eight-plus, somewhere around 10-hour interview with Jack Smith and the federal prosecutors under what's known as a proper agreement, where he gets to come in, tell his story, say everything that he did in furtherance of a criminal conspiracy under the understanding that nothing that he says in that room at that time can be held against him in a court of law. But then that gives Jack Smith the opportunity to say, okay, you know what, I will cut a deal with you. You know, and now knowing Jack Smith, he's going to want some jail time, but he can be like, look, Rudy, you're looking at 80 years in prison. We can make it three serve, but you got to roll completely on the big guy. And you don't spend 10 hours talking to prosecutors if you're not interested in a deal. Rudy's in deep. Trump stopped paying his legal bills a year and a half ago. Um, he's been completely cut off from funds. He is uh, a direct target of the grand jury in Georgia that is looking at charging people with Georgia state crime 
in interfering in that election. Uh, Rudy's already been notified that he's an official target of that grand jury, along with others. So he's got to be feeling the heat, and so he's, he, mm-hmm. he could be looking to form a deal. So let me tell you something. That fraudulent elector scheme uh, is something that you trace that back to Trump, and, oh, my God, that puts him directly in the thick of the planning for January 6th. Because a lot of people are still saying, why would you have this? Why would you send this? What makes you think Mike Pence would accept this? They weren't depending on him right. to accept it without the cover. This was on the predication that Mike Pence was going to play along with their scheme, that he was going to cave mm-hmm. to the pressure, and he was going to say that I'm not going to accept the electoral ballots from these five states because I've been presented with evidence that there are problems with this election and I'm going to send this back to the states to, for them to hash out and for them to decide what the legitimate results are. But the thing is, is it was never going to go back to the states. That's the official story. That was what he was supposed to say. But it was never going to go back to the states because at that point, you're going to have somebody stand up and say, we don't need to send this back to the states. The state Republican Party has sent this, the genuine package of electoral votes, and we can count them right now, and if that scheme had gone through, uh, then Donald Trump would have been reelected. And that is where the fraudulent electors fit in to the overall conspiracy to commit election fraud and to defraud the people of the United States. Um, so now there's another couple of states that also had alternate cast of electors, However, these cast of electors had a cover letter that did not purport to be the sole legitimate electoral votes. These were submitted in case there was a successful challenge in a court. These could be used as an alternate backup. And because of that, those are actually alternative electors. Nobody from those states is going to get charged, except they could be for taking part in a larger conspiracy so some of those people could be rolling, too. You don't know. But we know that eight of the electors themselves have already rolled, and Rudy is talking to the prosecutors. Can we really trust that Rudy will turn will, will roll on Trump? Because I keep hearing that he's still kind of a loyalist to Trump and that, you know, I don't know what kind of magic or bullshit Trump has over him, but apparently I keep hearing, like, you know, they're trying to get him to roll. We don't know if he's rolling yet. What do you think? Um, no, see, the thing is, this is what people get wrong about Rudy. They, they really get wrong about Rudy. Rudy is not loyal to anybody but Rudy Giuliani. Um, again, I recommend okay. people. James Comey wrote an incredible book after he got fired by Trump, uh, completely exposing the fraud that was uh, Trump's relation to both the FBI and the Department of Justice. Uh, but he also, James Comey, served with Rudy Giuliani in the, federal, in the Southern District of New York, the federal district. Rudy was, the, uh, was the, the, the chief guy in the office. And Rudy was, uh, he was really talented at finding talented people who could do great work, which he could then take and take all of the credit for uh, the, the staff used to say that if you want to commit suicide, just stand between Rudy and a TV camera. You'll never know what hit you. 
Uh, and literally, he would have people, they would toil, uh, he would have affairs, he would schmooze with political people to try to ease his way into politics, and he would have people yeah. who would do a lot of hard work, which he could then take all the credit for. Um, so Rudy has only ever been loyal to Rudy. Now, he thought for whatever reason that it's better for him to be on the side of Trump for the last several X amount of years. I think he always thought all along that Trump could pull it off and that Trump could somehow make his way into president for life. And Rudy knew that if he was a loyal guy and Trump was president for life, then Rudy would be taken care of uh, for the rest of his days. But Trump is not going to, yeah. that's not going to happen. Trump, again, Rudy was at one point at least a knowledgeable lawyer. He can read the indictment in the classified documents case. That alone is worth 14 to 40 years in prison for Donald Trump if he takes this to trial. And every indication is he wants to take it to trial. Um, and so that case alone is showing Rudy that this guy's not going to be president for life. He's not going to make a comeback. It's not going to happen. At which point, Rudy's got to think about the rest of his day. Um, I'm sure he's yeah. still thinking he's going to live forever. His family does have tremendous longevity. The guy could have another decade, yeah. decade and a half in front of him. And he's thinking, you know what, if, maybe he's thinking, if I can do a deal, if I can be the guy who brings down the greatest boogeyman that the vast majority of Americans hate and despise, um, but yeah. the people who are locked in these gerrymandered districts where their wills are not really exercised and their votes are suppressed, but if he is the yeah. giant slayer, then he can go and serve three or four years in a nice medium security federal prison, and it will be very light security. He will be he will not be in the big house with Bubba, um, and then he can come out and do his redemption tour and talk about how when he saw the light and when he saw what he did was wrong and what everybody had done was wrong. He wants to be Howard Dean, what Howard Dean did yeah. during the Watergate scandal. Uh, he wants to be Jeb Stuart Magruder going on an apology tour of America getting paid by these corporate Republicans who want Trump gone. They will pay him handsomely once he gets out of federal prison to come and say, this was madness. We can never let this happen to our party again. We have to listen to these rich people when they say, take a milk toast person. You know, it's like, here, let's, let's run Mitt Romney again. Let's just show everybody that we've learned our lesson. And they're not going to let the Republican Party is going to fall apart. It's beyond saving now. But Rudy is going to... I think that if he flips on Trump, he's, you know, he's never going to repair his reputation. He's never going to be America's mayor again the way he was after 9-11. But within conservative circles, he's going to be the guy who found religion and repented for his sins, did his time, and then went on his redemption tour telling everybody, don't do what I did. So uh, I think it's possible. See, Rudy, act, I mean, Rudy's, Rudy's Rudy, and he's not always been – a lot of his loyalty is he's stupid, but I think he had an agenda to it. And I think now he just realized that the conservative gravy train is just done. It's, it's not happening anymore. I just want to make a programming note. Uh, when we were talking about uh, Dean and in Watergate, we were talking about John Dean, not Howard Dean. 
of Dr. Right. Howard yeah. Dean, the former uh, governor of Vermont. That is not who we were talking about. We were talking about John Dean specifically, in case anybody's like, huh, oh, Howard Dean? No, no, not that Howard Dean. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, yes, John Dean, sorry. Sorry, my 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 my, oh, no, my, my Watergate my Watergate uh, I'm I'm a bit of a Watergate aficionado. Okay, I, I, I'll sit I'll sit yeah. around and uh, I, I would trade G Gordon Liddy jokes before the new Max series, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm going to. Um, oh my the, god! The, the, okay. <laughs> the family is going to the family's going to Starwood next week. I am not going to be able to attend this year. My mobility uh-huh. issues are such. I really need an all-terrain scooter to really be able to enjoy myself yeah. at a festival. And I haven't got one yet. I'm going to have one by next year. So I'm going to be working on my writing, and I'm going to be catching up on some TV. So uh, I think I see because i gotta, I got to finish Interview with the Vampire. I've got to finish Sandman, and I've got to watch Mayfair Witches. Uh, I may go ahead and add uh, the, the G. Gordon Liddy, uh, the, the Watergate show from Max on there, too, because that looks like it's just a lot of fun. I actually have to recommend to you um, not that particular one, but there was one on stars, and it focused on Margaret Mitchell, and it was amazing, and Julia Roberts played Martha Mitchell. That one was phenomenal. (laughs) Oh, my God. Martha Mitchell is my favorite out of the entire cast of wackos and lunatics from Watergate. Martha Mitchell is my favorite because – he did not give a fuck. Ooh, I mean, he did not give a fuck at all. And however, right. I, I've seen scenes from this, and 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 there's a wonderful acting job done. But the just go and look up archival footage of this woman. You can smell the gin through the black and white footage. <laughs> she was Martha Mitchell was a trip. But here's the thing, Martha Mitchell had the rundown on Nixon, and no one listened to her. And she got railroaded. Oh, yeah. And did she have issues? Absolutely. Was she an alcoholic? Absolutely. But being an alcoholic doesn't make you a liar. Uh, and she was oh, not no. lying. And she, and she had told everybody who would listen that, that this was all started by Nixon, and Nixon was, in fact, a crook, and Nixon did, in fact, know about the plot for Watergate. I mean, it's it, just unbelievable shit. So anybody who's, who's interested in, in political theater, as it were, it was some of the most interesting shit that went down in the 70s uh, paired with Watergate was the whole Martha Mitchell story. Her own husband railroaded her, and these people wanted her shut up, shut down, and committed. And it, it was oh, yeah. good. It was good. I, you know, it's really interesting to see, too, because we're hitting the stage of the Trump scandal, too, where there are enough people who are realizing that this guy is just imploding. And he, he is really, really just imploding. And they're starting to also see that Fox is imploding. Fox tied itself to Trump so closely that yeah. they're going down with him. They're going down. Uh, they're, 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 they're going down with the ship with him. Um, and you're starting to see these people from the Trump administration or people who are close to people in the Trump administration really, really getting themselves established by coming on whenever you need to talk about 
how fucking horrible that orange piece of shit was. And, I mean, take a look at George Conway. That's the now ex-husband of Kellyanne Conway, the favorite crypt keeper spokesperson for Donald J. Trump's administration. Um, And George Conway, I mean, he heard about everything. He saw some of these fucking dynamics up close uh, just through, like, you know, the fact that, you know, White House staff people, they get together with their families and have picnics and shit. And he saw how dysfunctional the entire fucking crew was. And these days he goes on MSNBC, and when people say he couldn't be that stupid, is he? And George Conway could just be like, yes, he's that stupid and worse. And then, uh, and then of course, you have Michael Cohen coming on next, next saying he's that stupid and worse in ways you can't even believe, you know, of course, having to add his own <laughs> flair to it. But And now you have his two of his former press secretaries are now talking and regularly commenting on Joy Reid's show on MSNBC. I mean, they're not going on Lawrence O'Donnell or Rachel Maddow, but they're going on Joy Reid. They'll go on uh, Morning Joe, and they'll just go on there and say, yeah, this is just completely wacko. This is criminal. This is everything that it's being said for. And the thing is, is that it's it's really the, an, an important stage because remember, you know, Morning Joe is one of the most popular shows in Washington. It's also probably the most popular show on MSNBC with people who are over fifty. Um, and right. you know the and you know and and the fact that you have Joe Scarborough, a guy who was good friends with Newt Gingrich in the 90s. You really can't doubt this guy's conservative bona fides. When he's saying, you know, this guy is a moron, I've known that for a long, long time, savvy with his public image to a point, but um, just ridiculous ego and that kind of thing, and just laying it out, he lays it out in ways that really speak to that disaffected suburban Republican, the people who miss the days of Mitt Romney and even Jeb Bush. Um, there's a lot of them in the suburbs. And the fact a lot of them voted, either voted for Joe Biden in certain districts in 2020, or they just stayed home and refused to vote because they could not vote for Donald Trump again. And Joe Scarborough speaks to these people. Because when he's talking about the Capitol riots, he talks about how people were beating on they were they were bashing at the heads of police officers with American flags, uh, and he always plays the clip of the guys whacking at the cops with American flags. Now, you know, cops aren't exactly the good guys with a lot of liberal people, but whenever I see him talk like that, I'll say, "You fucking say that, Joe. Drive that fucking point home. Send that point mm-hmm. into every suburb and into every upper middle class neighborhood in America." that these guys were beating up cops with American flags. You know, make those people who still venerate the World War II generation, make their stomachs turn. Because, again, it all goes in to the further collapse of the neo-fascist conservative movement. Because that's what modern conservatism has become, a neo-fascist movement. So the whole thing has to be slain. And, thankfully, they're cooperating. Oh, my God, these people, the stupid, it hurts. But <laughs> Um, just folks, if you've yeah. ever been involved with activist groups, think about the most dumb but earnest person you worked with in your old activist group and imagine if they really yeah. ran the show. 
and just think about that horror. That's the, that's what being a conservative in America is like right now. <laughs> wow. I just, you know, but there's a sector of the populace that just seems to want to believe that everyone's lying except their guy. And, you know, I'm so sick of hearing liberals, oh, God, we need a new name, um, you know, talk about how old Joe is and how, you know, we don't have anyone exciting. And my answer to that is, so do you want to vote for a Republican? I mean, what is the point of your statement? I don't understand. You know what? I say let the Republicans be the ones saying about old Joe, sleepy Joe, confused Joe. And we're going to have Democrats standing up saying, hey, that's ageism, and you need to shut up with that. Our senior members of society have a lot of experience, and we could use to benefit from that. Let me, again, appeal to the senior citizens by sticking up for elderly people. That, that, that mm-hmm. didn't used to be a Democrat issue, but that's becoming a Democrat issue with this election because of people mm-hmm. like that setting the tone. And you know what? I mean, I'll take a few disaffected people who haven't voted for one of my guys in the last 40 years for disaffected suburban Republicans who just cannot stand that this, uh, that this reality TV star is still around. Um, so, yeah. you know, I'll make that swap because I, the people who are disgusted with the reality TV star, at least they'll show up and actually vote. I know, and that that's the part that, that concerns me because, you know, these these liberals in name only are starting to really wear me out. And I know that the Republicans are already having enough trouble because DeSantis doesn't seem to be making any traction anywhere. Are you seeing him get any inroads? I'm not seeing it. Oh, fuck no. Are you kidding? I've recently there was a poll that came. There's, a, there's been this CNN Ipsos tracking poll. It is one of the gold standards of tracking polls, too, by the way. The CNN Ipsos poll has been really remarkably accurate for a long time. Really does well in primaries, too, by the way. And what they've seen mm-hmm. is that a lot of Trump's legal issues have chipped away his support. He's lost about six percentage points uh, over the last three months. And none of those six percentage points are going to Ron DeSantis. You've got one going to Nikki Haley, two going to Mike Pence, one going to Tim Scott. I mean, literally, but none of them are going to Ron DeSantis. Um, Because the fact of the matter is Ron DeSantis' support is frozen at about 25% of the Republican Party. And his audience are people who don't think that Donald Trump is mean enough. Um, And when you consider that, you know, that, how absurd that is. When you consider that that's represented by about 25% of the people who uh, only make up 24% of society, yeah, he, he's cornering the edgelord vote. That's what Ron DeSantis has gotten, and that's what he's frozen at because his whole culture war thing and the fact that he keeps getting his ass kicked by a cartoon mouse that really is freezing him at that edgelord level. So uh, he's toast. He's, his, his, his top guy was on a radio show. Um, and actually, it was a Twitter space. It wasn't even a radio show. It was a Twitter space 
being run by a guy who goes by the handle of crypto lawyer. So when the head of your fundraising, when that's the best venue they can get to talk is a Twitter space with crypto lawyer, that right there tells you stick a fork in it, it's beyond done. Uh, throw it in the trash because it's burnt to a crisp. But then he goes on there, the Twitter space, and says, yeah, we're pretty behind. We're like 30 points behind. And, you know, it's not undoable, but it's an uphill battle. And it's just like, this is one of your top guys? Wow. So, yeah, stick a fork in him. He's beyond done. And I thought he had all this, you know, I thought the, the that he was the, the great hope of the Republican Party because he was just Trumpy enough but also catered to their worst uh, inclinations as far as book banning and people banning and bashing and, you know, and the recent Supreme, oh, my gosh, we haven't even talked about the recent Supreme Court decisions yet. There's just so fucking much to go over there, but it just seems to me like Republicans are nothing but star fuckers, and their one and only star is always going to be uh, Trump, and, you know, considering what may or may not I mean, th- when you have to have a discussion about whether or not a candidate can run from jail, are you serious? This is what you want? Yeah. They don't become it. a cult of personality. It's become a cult of personality. And that, that's the, that's the Santos's problem, is that he was trying to be Trump without being Trump. And the, the, the audience for that is very small. It's the smallest sliver yeah. of the MAGA world that has an appreciation for the fact that Donald Trump has lost three elections for the Republican Party in a row. In the midterms in 2020, he eked out an electoral fluke in 2020, but then the midterms in 2022, the Republicans lost. They lost the Senate. Uh, in the uh, 2020, he lost the presidency again. Uh, and also uh, lost a winnable race for the House, taking that over. And then in 2024, uh, he lost most of the swing state races that allowed Democrats to retain control of the Senate. He's a three-time loser, and there's a small sliver of the mega world that loves racism and loves misogyny, but they just don't think he's going to be able to win again, so they're looking for Trump without the baggage. And that was Ron DeSantis for them. But like I said, that's a very tiny sliver of the group because most of your MAGA base, they worship this guy. He is their savior. Mm -hmm. When they have pictures of him with Jesus on their Facebook profiles, they're not being ironic. They're not trying to have an inside joke. This is the level of hero worship these people have. This is really one of the biggest cults. MAGA is one of the biggest cults that this country has ever and you're not going to be able to compete with that. I mean, Chris Christie, I think, has the best chance of chipping away at Trump's support because he's willing to just point out about the stupid mistakes that Trump made and say, look, everybody makes mistakes, but after you make so many mistakes, you kind of got to take yourself out of it and let the next round of people try, and maybe they'll make different mistakes that won't hurt as bad or something like that. I mean, very pragmatic. Right. Uh, he, He's going for that disaffected suburban Republican. And, I, you know, I have a feeling that as we get closer to the primaries, that Chris Christie is going to be the person who comes in second behind Donald Trump 
with probably uh, Ron DeSantis a brief third uh, because I think he will be able to chip away because he could be just as much of a, hey, fuck you, blowhard that Donald Trump is, and that's something that sells in the toxic masculinity cesspool that is the modern GOP. Um, But it doesn't matter because by the end of the nominating process, Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee unless they can hurry up and convict him of seditious conspiracy and then he'd be barred by Constitution to – he'd be barred by the Constitution from holding a federal office again. Um, But he's going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. But by the the time he's done, it wouldn't matter if Chris Christie got through. Because, again, if he somehow won a Pyrrhic victory where he burned everybody else down enough to come out ahead, he would still be the most damaged goods heading into a, uh, a general election with somebody who has had more elections than Chris Christie has had weight loss programs. So it's like. Wow. I just, you know, I, I mean, well, that all that aside, but I mean, we're, we're, Dallas is obviously trying to be funny, but, you know, I, I, know. I don't really care. I, I just never thought I would be rooting for Chris Christie to, like, pull ahead in a Republican. I, I, I don't root for Republicans ever. And it's not like I right. would want Chris Christie as my president. But if I had to make a choice between him and Trump, I think it wouldn't be Trump. I'm just saying. Anything. Exactly. You know, a shoe, a three-day-old piece of, piece of steak that has been laying out in the sun would be a better choice. I mean, I can think of a lot of things that I would prefer over Trump, right. namely everything. So, I mean, let me, let, let, you know. Let me tell you, too. But you're, this is something, you're sure that I, I, Trump I, I, is going to be the nominee, though, right? You're, you're 100% positive. None of them want to attack him, which means he's free to take all the pot shots he wants at the people. He can make them a laughing stock in the Republican Party. He's going to be able to nuke most of their chances. Um, and he just has enough of a hold of enough people in the Republican Party that he will be the only one really left standing at the end. Um, But that's just going to, I mean, again, it's going to be one of those things where time to galvanize the local parties, let's try to take back some state legislatures. Because it is going to be one of those things where the the Republican Party is self-immolating. They are tearing themselves apart. They're in open warfare in the House of Representatives. Like I said, Marjorie Taylor Greene just got kicked out of the Freedom Caucus uh, for getting into a shouting match with Lauren Boebert, and they were arguing over who would get to submit their articles of bogus impeachment against Joe Biden uh, first and who would have to be the second one. They were literally arguing over that, and somehow it resulted in them deciding that Marjorie Taylor Greene was to establishment for the Freedom Caucus anymore. So they are tearing themselves apart. They have no talent left on the state level. Um, They're having problems getting people to be Republican poll workers. Um, They're they're having issues at every single level. And with the slacking that is coming in 2024, um, where I'm, you know, it's not unreasonable to not only say is Joe Biden going to be elected to another four-year term, but that we are going to retake the House. Uh, and we're going to have enough of a 
majority in the Senate, not necessarily filibuster proof, but we're going to have a majority in the Senate that is Manchin and Cinema proof. Because Christian Cinema is going to be replaced by a real Democrat uh, in the next election. Uh, she's, she, has, she has almost no support left in that state. Uh, she's tried to pull off of the whole uh, neo Naderite voters, but they really don't exist anymore. Uh, she's down to literally 18% support in her own state. So the Democrats are going to uh, nominate somebody, and that person is going to walk in because the Republicans are going to nominate somebody who is going to make um, – they're, they're going to make Lauren Boebert look like uh, fucking Golda Meir. Uh, they're going to uh, nominate somebody who's just so wackadoodle that even – even Newsmax is going to go seriously, guys. Seriously, this this is the best you could anyway. Um, and so, but we're going to have enough people in the Senate to get rid of the filibuster to finally vote it out of existence on a fifty-one vote, straight-up majority vote, and then with a majority in the House, and we don't have to have huge majorities, but by having two chambers where a majority vote today we'll be able to start putting this country back together. And once that happens, the entire base of the Republican Party is going to collapse into infighting. Because of the, when they're completely out of power again, they're going to turn on each other. They're already doing it now. And they're, and they're just going to take whatever they're doing now and turn it up to 11. So uh, basically imagine Spinal Tap, uh, their drummers mixed with a Michael Bay movie, and that's going to be the Republican Party after the 2024 <laughs> collapse. So. That's hilarious. I hope so. I, you know, because you know me, and I always sweat it because I'm never sure what's going to happen. I'm just saying. It, it, it freaks me out every election cycle. <laughs> you and I have many, many election cycles to go. Uh, together that you're going to be talking me down from the ledge like you do because someone has to and it's you. Uh. You know what, folks? You know what? I'm not saying to not be vigilant. I want people out there now to take their vigilance. I want you to redirect it. Get it away from checking up on the talking heads on the cable news. Direct it away from getting up to the minute updates from your favorite political blogs. Redirect it towards your local races. Local races are more important now than they've ever been before. And, I mean, go out and volunteer to register people to vote. Register people in communities of color. Register people in the LGBTQIA community. Let's register people to vote. Um, And so that when we have these candidates that are going to get through to elections, in this next, in the great shellacking of 2024, what we can do is we can create the kind of margins that make sure that nobody can fiddle with results. Because again, has there been election fiddling in the past? Yeah, of course there has been. 1960, 2000, it's verifiable. The thing is, though, is that yeah. our system of governance, our system of elections is decentralized enough that the most you can ever do is fiddle on the margin. So let's dedicate ourselves to registering enough of our people to vote so that even if people fiddle on the margins, we still win by so much it doesn't matter. So overwhelming victory. 
let's work towards getting uh, good people elected locally in your town, in your county, in your state senate, in your state legislature. Pay attention to gubernatorial races. Turn out for a governor's race like you would to elect a Democrat to the Senate uh, and that kind of thing and register people and get them out there, uh, you know, but don't spend your energy wringing your hands. Spend your energy getting out the vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. All right. Talison, we are, <laughs> well, um, do you want to say anything about the Supreme Court? Because we only have like seven minutes left. All I want to say is that this shows us that we need to do two things. One, we need to pack the court. We need to expand it. Yep. Uh, we need to look into instituting uh, term limits, however that would be, even if that's constitutional amendment uh, for justices of the Supreme Court. Um, and also we need to have enough Democrats in the Senate so that we can impeach Justice Kavanaugh for committing perjury during his testimony during his confirmation hearing. Uh, and uh, take a look at the business dealings of Clarence Thomas and uh, Samuel Alito and others and see about impeaching and removing them from the bench, too, for serious ethical breaches. Let's go ahead and get the kind of majority where we can hold the people who are guilty to account and we can get good people in there uh, who are going to appreciate the idea of the evolving Constitution that evolves along with society and that stripping away rights that people have grown up for a couple of generations possessing is not the way to encourage adherence to the Constitution. Along those lines, do you think Joe has the – I mean, assuming everything goes the way we would like it to go, Joe has the, the, the stomach to actually pack the court? Uh, he, he's a pragmatist. He's a realist. There are rumors going around that he's coming around to the idea. He's still saying no, he doesn't okay. need to because he wants to appeal to the traditionalists. But you watch. In a second term, if we have enough people to get it through, it's going to happen because they're, they're teeing up more things to knock them down. And who knows where they're going to stop. And eventually the public demand for it is going to be too overwhelming. I hope so. I thought the public demand would be there now, but apparently it's it's just not there yet. But I have to it's have starting hope. To grow, I mean, it's starting to well, grow. Well, I mean, after after this this past week and a half of, you know, first of all, the student loan thing, forget it. Affirmative action, that's done. I mean, what else needs to happen? Exactly. Well, it's just a there are other things coming up. You know, there, there, there's a certain group of people in conservative politics that want to challenge loving Virginia. Oh, stop. I mean, you've got a case of it on the Supreme Court. Come on, stop. I know. <laughs> I mean, what's he gonna, is he going to divorce his wife because of it? I mean, it just, it doesn't, it's, it has stopped making sense. It never, it, it hasn't made sense at all, but it's now at a point where it's ridiculous. It's past right. racism and sexism. Now it's just additional stupidity upon more stupidity upon the original stupidity. 
you know, and but now, I'm amazed now that, they're, that they're not. But, I mean, the thing that, that freaks me out yeah. is that they still haven't gone after gay marriage yet, and I thought that would be the next thing. I was wrong. Well, you know what, though? The thing is, too, is don't forget, though, we now have millions upon millions of Gen Z voters turning 18 every year. We've had something like 6 million more people are going to vote in 2024 than we're eligible to vote in 2020. And these kids have grown up with a Supreme Court that, that they've grown up with the results of 2016 and you vote your hopes, not your fears crowd. And they're fucking done with it, okay? These are people who are saying, that, look, if you're in a deep red district and there's no way a Democrat's ever going to win, go ahead and vote for the traditional Republican against the MAGA guy in the Republican primary. You know, they're, right. they, they, they appreciate strategic voting. They understand we got to defeat the fascists. How do we do it? How can we do it? And they're doing it. So that's another thing, remember, even though your, your fears grow up again because we all worry about 2016, that was eight years ago. Yep. And there's a huge chunk yep. of the voting populace that could not take part in that election. Right. But they're paying attention well, you now. Fortunately. Fortunately. And, again, folks, don't get complacent. Don't make assumptions. We have to make sure we stay vigilant, and as Allison said, vote local. Make sure you are a part of every local election. This is how the fascists get in. They play the long game. We've said this a million times. They get in at the ground level. They get name recognition over time, and then they start running for the House, and then they start running for the Senate, and it's, it's a progression. They play the long game. You've got to remember. So, Talison, before we go, tell folks again how to find you. I am on Facebook. I am still on Twitter. I don't do much on there right now. I occasionally use it to make memes that I post other places. Uh, I'm also on uh, Tribal. Uh, I am on the new service threads as well as Instagram. Just look up Talison Govannon or Talison G at any of those, and you will find me. And keep an eye out for Welcome to Paranormal Acres coming to Vela very, very soon. And I will uh, let Raina know so she can let everyone else know when it goes live. I will see you guys next time. Same bad time, same bat station. And you guys have a groovy July. Bye, Talison. All right, guys, I I know I told you you weren't going to hear from me again until this. <laughs> I, I love having Talison on. He keeps my head straight as far as politics go because sometimes I just can't handle it, as I know a lot of you can't too. Um, but anyway, I will speak with you again next Thursday from Mystic South. That's a pre-show. And then Friday night from Mystic South Live. Hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget, check out mystic-south.com. Get that information about how to attend. Talk to you later. Have a great weekend.